This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Oh, Trish, you know we talk mm. about our pets on the show. Yes. I have sad news to report about <gasps> Pixel. Yeah. My little, little Welsh terrier. No, not that pixel. sad. Oh, not too okay. sad. <laughs> She's been given a warning. Oh, no. A warning from Bad the vet. Behavior. Oh no. A warning what? that um, a lot of us get at this stage of life. Oh. She is in the midlife of dog years. Yes. And her midlife middle <gasps> is too big. Oh, oh dear. Pixel has got yes. to go on, uh, can I say the D word, a doggy diet. I think, yes, you can. With doggies, I think you can, can't you? A doggy, a doggy eating plan. Yes. Oh, and dear. you know, it's a problem because it's not me that's so worried about this. It's Mr. Candy who's a bit worried about this yes. because he's kind of in charge of dog visits to the vet. Right. And he's been putting it off and putting it off because oh. he knew she was too fat. <gasps> oh, dear. From the daily yeah. cuddles, I think. I Probably not enough walking for Pixel, maybe. And well, too much, too much treats. I think mm. she gets a lot of treats. And then when she came back from the vet and I said, the dog's fat, we've got to put her on a diet. My teenagers laid into me and said, stop fat shaming your <laughs> terrier. I mean, she's fat shamed. I mean, she can't speak. She doesn't know what I'm saying. They're quite clever doggies, but I'm not sure that Pixel will will get that. No. Well, I think it might be because, you know, when I have a break, I have a biscuit. Sometimes I give her a bit of a biscuit. Oh, right. It's the hobnobs. (laughs) It might be my fault. (laughs) It is your fault. Those those darned hobnobs. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Lorraine Candy. I'm Trish Halpin, and we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife. We'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to HRT and your sex drive. Lorraine and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers, relationships, family, and as always, the challenges and joys of parenting teens. Okay, Trish, let's get this episode on the road. We are halfway through September and we've got we've got a lot to do, haven't we? We're busy, busy, busy. Oh, busy bees. Yes, we are, because while we hope everybody's relaxing uh, and enjoying themselves listening to us, we are planning something very special for you in May next year. And it's taking up quite a lot of our time at the moment. We're so excited about it. And we're about to officially announce our two-day boutique festival postcards from midlife live which will be happening on friday the 19th and saturday the 20th of may at london's business design center in islington that's the day before my birthday just to remind you what yes i did not know that Exciting. That's party central then well i'm giddy with excitement about that whole weekend now mm, i mean for goodness good. sake me and Cher will be at your party as you know we've got some brilliant guests lined up and we do want to meet our lovely listeners in person our wonderful community so everybody watch out for ticket sales details they'll go up on our private facebook group and our instagram accounts but before we announce anything i think we should ask you our listeners what you want to do see hear people you want to meet in a festival of midlife 
Yes, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the programme of activities. Uh, Do you want wellness, fitness, fashion, beauty, sex relationships? Maybe you want it all. Do you want your medical questions answered? Do you want advice on nutrition, dating, finance? It's your time to let us know. Maybe you would want to meet Margot in person, Trisha's (laughs) pussy. Maybe you'd want to meet her. We can bring her along or we can bring some props, can't we, Trisha, from our many, many nostalgia noodles? Yes, I might ask you to bring your shot put medal or you can yes. bring that um, cock cushion that you embroidered <laughs> as a teenager. Thank you. You can bring all your sort of celebrity letters and yes. mementos and all the yes, things right. your famous friends have given you. I'm not sure about taking my cock cushion on tour, though. It's that very is... fragile. It's about 25. No, it's about 30. It's about 40 years old. What am I saying? It's 40 years old, the cock cushion. That is a sentence that I never predicted we would hear from you when we first (laughs) launched this podcast, which lots of people appear to be listening to. We don't want a cock cushion on tour. What we want is ideas from our lovely listeners on what we could do on the two-day festival in May next year. So if you want something addressed, especially at the show, or you want to meet someone specifically, or there's a guest that you've got an idea for, can you email us, put postcards live in the subject box and email us at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com and we will be monitoring that, won't we, Trish? Oh, yes, you can. We love hearing your thoughts and you can obviously pop them on our private Facebook group too. And if you're a member, if you're not a member, why not? Please join come up. on and join up, join up. I have to say the group is the gift that keeps <laughs> on giving, isn't it? Because Yes. So many brilliant posts on there. We have a new entry in the Brain Fog Charts this week from one of our favourite longest standing members, Emma, who posted, lost my car keys today whilst shopping with the man boy, felt panicked as had no idea where I had lost them, found them in the car, which was unlocked. <laughs> then, oh, having yeah. given same man boy a long lecture on how he needed to really look after his brand new white trainers, because I had never ever spent that much money on a pair of shoes for myself in my entire life, I smashed a jar of red pesto on them in Sainsbury's. <laughs> That's Emma. It just could have happened to any of us, couldn't it? Goodness. I'd love to know how the man boy reacted to that. The Um, universe conspires against us all in midlife, I find. Um, There was another post which really warmed my heart uh, recently on the Facebook group. It's from a teacher who I think she's single handedly saving the sanity of all the midlife women she works Mm. with. And she wrote At the end of the school year, just before the summer halls, I addressed the whole school at a whole school meeting and explained my last two years of perimenopause. It wasn't planned, it just happened spontaneously. Having struggled for two years at school, it had been something I wanted to bring up. I wanted to initiate a curiosity in staff about what the perimenopause is, to hopefully get staff, male and female, to have a conversation at home and to research the info. I've worked at the school a long time and know many of the staff and myself have felt uncomfortable asking others if they have had or are having similar symptoms. During many conversations, usually at the photocopier, I realised many have struggled or are struggling with one or more aspects of perimenopause. After I did this, many staff, male and female, talked to me, messaged me to say thank you for bringing it up or shared their experiences. The health, safety and wellbeing team at school contacted me and now wish me to talk after I mentioned a workplace policy. It's amazing, isn't it, these women? They just kind of stand out, really put themselves out there, make Mm. themselves incredibly vulnerable in front of their whole teens and employers. Anyway, she goes on to say that she's looking for a policy which could Mm. be a 
template for her. So if anyone can help, that would be absolutely brilliant. If you go on our private um, Facebook page and uh, see the post, we'll flag it up. Then you could put some resources underneath and we'll certainly put some too. But she also says the postcards from Midlife podcasts have been shared many, many times among colleagues. That's why we did this, isn't it? That's why we set this whole podcast up so that Mm. women wouldn't think they were going absolutely crazy Mm. in their rage-filled, sweaty days and nights on their own. Yeah, well, bravo. I think that is just amazing. And another supporter of our campaign to get the information out there to women is coming on the show today. It's Hello Magazine editor Rosie Nixon, who has been brilliant at covering the menopause and perimenopause in her magazine for a while now. And today she's going to talk about that and she's going to take us right up the red carpet for some celebrity gossip too because she's been the editor for 14 years so she has a lot of tales to tell um is that making you nervous Lorraine because I know how name drop fest ish you are yeah no I'm not nervous Trish don't worry (laughs) I can hold my own on that front I did get a personal 50th birthday message video message from the rock don't you remember that don't you Dwayne Johnson's message to me I might have mentioned it before um I won't lose a name drop or even a mic drop battle for that matter god knows what I'm talking about now anyway (laughs) what what else have we got happening on the uh, series seven episode three I think episode three yes so we've got some couples advice today because there's a new book out that uh we found quite intriguing it's about arguing and why it's good for you I mean you love a good argument don't you No, I don't. Millie, Millie Tant. No, I don't. See what I don't did there? You? <laughs> yes, you do. No, you don't. No, I, don't. I do, actually. I'm quite good at arguing. quite enjoy it. I'm not very confrontational, though, Trish, normally, no. am I, in day-to-day life. But I do like a good back and forth about yes, things. Yes, you do. And, uh, two, as long as I'm right. Two and a fro. Um, anyway, yes. we, we did find uh, this book absolutely brilliant. And it's really good for long-term couples. It tells you how to argue well. There's a surprising fact about midlife rows that I found oh, out, which we'll talk okay. about. Okay, I don't know that, so I'm looking forward to that. So before we get to that, can we just take a moment to mention our commercial supporters? You, our lovely listeners, have made this podcast so popular. Uh, we are being overwhelmed with support from brands who want to talk to you and to advertise with us. So we just want to make sure that you know that we only work with brands that we like and that they are actually really necessary for us to keep this show on the road, as it were. Yeah, because we are a team of three there's me trish and in the background there are ever patient producer amanda <laughs> silently looking on wondering how she's had to work with these two complete podcast amateurs anyway the advertising is vital for us to keep going so um we just wanted to pop that message there thank you for being our listeners and i hope you enjoy what we've got in store today This week's special guest is Rosie Nixon, editor of Hello magazine. Rosie quite literally spends her days rubbing shoulders with the stars and the royal family, as well as treading the red carpet at the world's most glamorous events, including the Oscars and the BAFTAs. Thanks to her 14 years as editor of Hello, and prior to that as celebrity fixer for Grazia, Glamour and Reg magazines, she has built up what must be the most coveted little black book of contacts in the country, No doubt she keeps it under lock and key at the Surrey home she shares with her husband Callum, who works in film and TV production, and her sons Heath, eight, and Rex, six. Rosie has also written three novels, including her best-selling debut, The Stylist, a funny and candid take on what really goes on behind the scenes in the world of celebrity, as well as Be Kind, described as a little book with a big heart, which she wrote during lockdown with the help of some of her celebrity pals, including Holly Willoughby, Dermot O'Leary, Fern 
Anne Cotton and the Duchess of York. Now 47, Rosie says that she tries to put kindness and positivity at the heart of everything she does, but admits that perimenopause hitting during lockdown was one of the biggest struggles she's had to contend with and led to the magazine's Menopause Workplace Pledge campaign in conjunction with the charity Wellbeing of Women, for whom Rosie is a proud ambassador. She's here today to tell us about her midlife journey, her new celebrity podcast, and give us a behind-the-scenes peek at her favourite celebrity shenanigans. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife, Rosie. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. Well, listen, let's start with some glamour. We all need some glamour in our lives, don't we? Um, and we both know that editing a magazine is actually a really full-on job. And it's you know, it's so hard. You're on deadlines. You're probably on a deadline right now as we speak. You're managing all sorts of staffing, budget issues. It's not all roses around the door. Yeah, and I do have to caveat, it is not all glamour at all. <laughs> I was watching last week on your Instagram, you had the Hello Inspiration Awards. Yes. I was a bit jealous of that because you were with... Johannes, one of the Strictly judges, and we're into Strictly season, aren't we? Uh, he's yes. well, I mean, he's one of my favourites. But what's he mm, like? He's such a great guy, so humble bendy. and so bendy. Yeah, flexible. <laughs> good at doing pirouettes um he's a lovely guy and it was so nice to welcome him onto our judging panel so we have a celebrity judging panel for the inspiration award so he's the first guy on the panel this year do you say to him take me in your arms i just want to do the tango quickly before we start judging we were in the ballroom at the corinthia hotel so but with my two left feet i just wouldn't (laughs) even dare to offer up something (laughs) like that i know better oh i think you could be on there let's let's put you on next oh, no. year let's I do think it you two should be on there you're famous with your podcast oh, I, don't know I think that. you should be on it I've got a friend doing it this year and she's very entertaining about it I think it would get rid of the midlife middle I think that it would just yeah. be done wouldn't it because you have to do a lot of exercise your first under the radar name drop there Lorraine because we've been talking Rose <laughs> about the fact that you two oh, might yeah. have a name drop kind of competition a name this. drop oh. she's already <laughs> planted one yeah, who off. is your friend that's doing <laughs> Can't say, can't say. Well, you have to. It's out in the domain. Or is it a private friendship? Private. Oh, okay. So one of the class of 2022. Well, it just looks like so much fun as well, Well, doesn't it? Everybody has the most amazing time. I mean, it's intense from what you hear. I mean, they really do spend absolutely hours rehearsing and training and it takes over your whole life. But they always say that it's the best experience of their life. It would be my worst nightmare, though. (laughs) I hate to do that. But... Oh, well, maybe, maybe something else. Maybe we'll send you to the jungle or something. Or like maybe that. not at all. <laughs> maybe like... not at all. Okay, I'm quite happy enough. being behind the screen, actually. <laughs> yeah, okay. And talking of which, I mean, you've been covering the red carpet and attending the Oscars for for years. You actually go to the Oscars, don't you? I mean, what's it like? Does it ever feel old hat? I mean, well, as a celebrity editor, mm. I started going to lots of these events and cultivating my relationships with celebrities, and then mm. I I did end up when I worked at Glamour magazine and then at Grazia and I did have a phase where I was kind of the person the journalist that would be sent to go Mm -hmm. sort of from Z list to A list in 24 (laughs) hours and and have all the makeovers that the stars have to get ready for a ceremony I did that one year in LA Mm -hmm. so I went out in my economy seat on the plane and then I had the expertise of a stylist and a makeup artist and a hairdresser and I had about four spray tans and in the course of 24 hours I was mahogany by the time I made 
laid at the red carpet. And but it was a really amazing, you know, way to get a sense of what goes on behind the scenes. And it was a world mm -hmm. that really fascinated me. Um, when I was at Grazia, I did a piece um, with Mr. Armani in his atelier the day before the Oscars. So all the stars were coming in for their final fittings, mm -hmm. and there was lots of hustle and bustle and kerfuffle over, you know, seams and sort of making the final tweaks. And Adrian Brody went in there, and that was the year he won the best Oscar. And I ended up being sat next to Clint Eastwood, who oh, actually won wow. the Oscar for Million Dollar Baby oh, that year, wow. uh, chatting to him as he was waiting to have his suit fitted. And it was just such a fascinating world to me. I mean, I've, I've always been fascinated by the behind the scenes and what really goes on mm -hmm. in the celebrity world. Mm. OK, well, you've given us Clint Eastwood and Adrian Brody. We like <laughs> yeah, that. That's but, good. Should we do a tally? <laughs> yeah, let's do a tally. Like Lorraine has thrown out the rock already on yeah. this Today, episode. On yeah. So yeah. anybody else from the from the sort of Hollywood who yeah. did you love? Who have, have you got any kind of funny stories? Um, on? Well, it's always up? interesting when somebody's not how you imagine. And I remember mm -hmm. I mean, this is going back a bit, sort of doing a big interview with Kim Cattrall, who was obviously Samantha in Sex and the City for the end of that series. Mm -hmm. And um, and she, as a woman, is just completely the opposite, really, of her character. She's so <laughs> lovely, softly spoken. And we shot her for the cover. And this was years ago at New Woman magazine, actually. We shot her for the cover. And I went and met her in a little sort of uptown patisserie to have the chat. And it ended up being a very revelatory interview interview she told me mm -hmm. all about the breakdown of her marriage um and it wasn't I had to kind of rip up my sheet of questions that were all based around Samantha and you know the character and we went down a completely different path so I find that fascinating mm -hmm. um but in terms of sort of big stars I guess one of my best scoops was um Robbie Williams's wedding that was a complete mm. secret that was a hello wedding and I it was only me and the couple I mean even their families didn't know they thought they were being invited to Los Angeles for a big party at Robbie's house and um it was actually for the wedding so I flew over to LA did a big interview with the couple in their bedroom the night oh. before the wedding and I'd been a big Robbie fan <laughs> take that a fan and he was just on brilliant Robbie a game so mm -hmm. excited I mean he was like an excited puppy and um reenacted his proposal to Ida oh. they were just so loved up and I couldn't believe that I was getting this amazing access really and looking downstairs in the garden below of their palatial home the wedding was being set up all around us so you that was very your memoirs shouldn't you Rosie? I know but really? I don't think I ever would because a lot of you know it's trusted relationships mm, yeah. and that's really what we're about at hello and I give away yeah. what I feel comfortable giving away on Instagram but I don't really think that I would ever do a complete tell-all it's because I've become friends with lots of these people as well and I don't particularly mm. need to do that and it's nice to have a bit of mystery around <laughs> it. <laughs> well you have um, drawn a little bit on your celebrity experiences um, good and bad because you wrote uh, The Stylist didn't you and yeah. the follow-up Amber mm -hmm. Green Takes Manhattan um, about a celebrity stylist. What are the things that have surprised you about the styling side of that world because mm. I spent ages doing it when, when I was editing 
L yeah. and you think all these things are sort of seamless and it but it's not it's really hard work isn't it what's the best dress you've ever seen for example uh well I think a podium dress is always a real sort of moment and you know who can for, you know we can't forget those images of Gwyneth Paltrow for example at the, at the Oscars oh. in that incredible sort of pale pink gown I think when somebody really goes for it and makes a statement on the red carpet and you know there used to be days when stylists weren't really around in a way it's quite a modern Modern sort of they're celebrities constructs. now yeah they are yeah. they're celebrities yeah Rachel Zoe became sort of the first sort of big super stylist really and um and just so much goes on you know it's not a case of a star simply being sent a couple of dresses and then looking like a swan down the red carpet there's a lot of toing and throwing and I think you know a stylist job is to bring out the true personality of the star but also to understand that fashion is an alternative economy in Hollywood there are big deals to be made on the back of an incredible red carpet season and probably it's more lucrative than winning the actual Oscar um, in terms of yeah the brand relationships that you could have following that so it's big business as well and now we have men being at what they wear as important as women which we I think do. is brilliant, yeah we do yeah. you'll talk about Harry Styles always talk yeah. about, always talk <laughs> about <laughs> Harry Styles didn't they look great say, at the Venice oh, Film Festival oh, about 80 percent of my day is Harry Styles at the moment <laughs> is it and what he's wearing quite frank I've just booked tickets to see him next year I don't know what's oh, happened wow. to me Rosie Have you met met him? I have met him, actually, yeah, at the British Fashion Awards um, a few years ago. He was very friendly. It's amazing how he's sort of reinvented his style. Yes. I think it's super cool. I think Mm. he looks great. I love it. So did you miss this celebrity world and all these events during lockdown? I mean, all of our lives changed, but yours Mm. must have changed, you know, incredibly in the sense that, you know, you stopped going to these events. And also, how did you create content? You were still having... To, were you still having to put out a magazine every week? That must we, have been so difficult. We did. We put out the magazine every single week. And yes, there were moments when I thought, hang on a minute, this is the job that I signed up to mm-hmm. do, creating a magazine from my, from my bedroom. Um, but it was actually a very creative time as an editor because we really had to think deeply about our audience, about the values of our publication and the part that we had to play in their lives during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And we really felt that for Hello, our USP has always been around positivity and kindness and being trusted and that we had a role to play in uplifting our audience as well as obviously being sensitive to the situation we were in and the difficulties and challenges and hardships that our audience would be facing but also to find ways to perhaps transport them from the hard news Mm. of the day Um, so we we reinvented the magazine Um, we introduced some new threads to the magazine some regulars that we still hold on to today actually some of them we put puzzles back in the magazine oh, for the first time oh, in 20 years or something yeah we introduced short stories by well-known authors we increased the recipes content we got stars to photograph themselves in their homes mm-hmm. which was a lot of fun and found that people were actually really up for doing this because they mm-hmm. were sat at home you know having had jobs cancelled so in a way it was a very creative time we really came together as a team and felt that we had an important purpose and that kept us all going as well Mm -hmm. feeling that we were providing a bit of a lifeline that would drop through your letterbox every week without fail for our audience but it was also for you personally Mm. 
quite a stressful time. So you're 47, you've got um, two young boys, six and four. You had a lot of anxiety and stress mm. and it was the beginning of the perimenopause, wasn't it, for you? Talk, to, talk us through that because you've reflected that so well in the magazine and been so responsible. You're one of the first voices really to talk about it in a high-profile magazine. What did you go through? Yeah, as you say, I mean... Sometimes I think being a manager as well, it can be quite an isolating role. And I did struggle and I learned really the power of vulnerability and perhaps also the power of kindness as a manager in the sharing that I wasn't finding it easy as well. And at at the time I was getting perhaps what were perimenopausal symptoms confused with anxiety and Mm -hmm. the stress of just dealing with the job day to day. We went through a restructure on the team, which was very difficult. And so I felt that I was feeling anxious waking up at the morning with a physically kind of heart racing sensation Mm -hmm. of what I had to get through that day. And obviously my boys, as you said, were just six and four at the time. So there was a lot to juggle. My husband and I were both working. We lived in our old house in London. We were both working upstairs in the same room with noise cancelling headphones on. I mean, it was chaos, really. Um, But it's only really sort of now looking back that I have actually and through launching a menopause campaign, on the magazine and talking to so many inspirational women about their menopause journeys that's like that penny dropping moment yeah when you think oh my god that was the beginning of my perimenopause did symptoms. brain fog and did you oh forgetting- brain fog terrible not so bad then but more in the last year so I think the symptoms probably started around 2020 and then in the last is brain fog has been awful like quite debilitating some days Mm -hmm. when you know a member of staff's name might be in your head one minute and then it's just totally gone Mm. so I'm now yeah a convert to HRT finally and actually gained the confidence really to go in and advocate for myself at the doctors having spoken to I spoke to a number of personalities for our um, menopause workplace pledge campaign that hello launched along with the charity well-being of women last year Um, and as part of that and also a partnership we have with Clarence to amplify the voices of women going through the menopause I did a couple of interviews and one of them was with Gabby Logan and I was sat talking to her about her experience and she talked about being 47 and having suffered anxiety for the last couple of years and I was just like tick 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 you know and I kind of the penny just dropped Mm. Um, did you feel a bit lonely at first because I think a lot of women think I've gone mad. That's what well, gonna, totally. what's happening to me. And especially for somebody like me that was actually in this kind of world, you know, I just blame, mm. it's easy to blame your job as well, which yeah. is why we felt it was very important to launch this campaign that would be focused around the workplace. Because as we know, the stats are incredibly high for women dropping out of the workplace yeah. around perimenopause and menopause age. And we lose some of the top talent in our country because they're not coping because the symptoms have perhaps haven't been recognized and they haven't had the support they need. So, you know, that that was me as well. It's very easy to automatically by default say, oh, it must be my job. That, that's the stressful thing. Mm-hmm. But I think if you take that away, you know, then that could open up even more issues potentially mm-hmm. if you're not getting the help to treat the root cause. Yeah. And did you find it quite straightforward to get the help? Because what we hear, and I don't know whether you've heard this from your readers as well, is that quite often it's so it's difficult to get the right help. It's mm. difficult to find the doctor who will listen to you and has the knowledge themselves mm-hmm. about the situation. For you personally, how was that? And then have you heard stories mm. from your readers as well? Well, initially, you know, I did go to the doctor and I was prescribed antidepressants, which mm. I've since learned is a very common story um, because that was to help deal with the anxiety, which 
which at the time I was thinking was to do with my job and you know everything we were going through with just coping with being at home and the pandemic um so it's only recently when I was more able and had the strength actually because it Mm. does take a lot of energy to go in and sort of have the right questions to ask have a list of your symptoms and actually I called up we moved house in that interim as well just to add another layer Mm. to the stress (laughs) (laughs) um to get to actually go into the doctors at my new doctors and say who is the menopause expert within the practice because I'd really like an appointment with them and then I went with my list of menopause symptoms showing that I ticked off sort of 70% of the list because obviously (laughs) not everybody gets everything and some are more prevalent than others the symptoms and I I want to try HRT please and I would Mm -hmm. really like to phase out the antidepressants because I don't think they're tackling the root of the Mm -hmm. issues so I'm now two months in to my estrogen gel and progesterone tablets and mm-hmm. starting to feel the effects, yeah. I think. So, you know, I'm going to keep going. It's only at the beginning of the journey. But were you yeah. ambitious about phasing out the antidepressants? Because a lot of women are, mm. you know, it's like, oh God, I don't, I can't face coming off them just in case yeah. it doesn't work. I mean, I was because they do physically take away that heart racing sort of mm. feeling. Um, but I was always aware that they were perhaps just treating the symptoms rather than the cause so I just phased them out gradually and I haven't been having that heart racing feeling so whether Mm. the HRT has taken over and is helping to balance hormones to keep help keep that under control that's what I'm hoping yeah um but for me to struggle with this mindful when I'm all I consider myself quite plugged into this world and Mm -hmm. luckily have got access to you know women that are willing to speak about their experiences and some great experts so it's really important that we have these conversations and help others feel supported and less alone. You travel a lot for your job. So you're kind of out and about and you have late nights. That's literally part of your job. You've mm. got to be around for a lot of these events. You host events. How do you balance that all out emotionally and physically? It is tricky. And I have to say there are some weeks when, you know, like most women and working mums, you know, I feel like I'm absolutely nailing it and things are falling into place. And I've able to clear my diary over school pickup time for some of the days. And there are other weeks where it feels out of control and the balance mm. isn't there. And I know I realise that I need to pull things back then. But actually the living out of life London has helped me be a little bit more boundaried. I love the fact that I can now say, oh, that's, I'm not in London that day. It's not my mm. London day. I can't go to that. And it's a question of prioritizing because and knowing my warning signs that, you know, when I am starting to feel a little bit sort of overrun or my husband calls it hyper cluck mode. <laughs> he says I go, I go into so I just get more and more hectic mm-hmm. and actually even the pace of my voice all speeds up and he says you're in hypercluck mode and I recognize it myself now and then I need to cancel a few things and bear it down but it's a juggling act mm. you know, but it, it sounds really like is. I mean nothing's fallen apart because you're doing that and because you're setting boundaries and because you're being more mindful about what you can and can't mm. do it's like it hasn't been detrimental no. to your career it hasn't it been... hasn't and I do love what I do and the boys see that and so how do you look after yourself Rosie I mean you are so glamorous and gorgeous anybody can see that on your Instagram but you know you're talking about you know setting boundaries for yourself so mentally you're you're kind of obviously getting into a good place with all of that what about physically how do you are you an exercise person yeah I am an exercise person and again the part of moving out to the countryside is I'm a runner I love leaving the house and just being able to put on my trainers and go for a run for 20 minutes I find it really helps my mindset 
Um, I go to the gym, you know, at least once a week, twice, you know, if I can, and I'll try and run. I try and do something sort of good on alternate days. Mm-hmm. I do a bit of yoga as well, which I found has really helped me in midlife with mm-hmm. the mind calming as much as the physical benefits. The people say the yoga is the thing. I mean, yeah. I've yoga. heard you talk about it a lot on this podcast. 98% of the guests we've had on have said, you're never going to believe it, but yoga works. And it does. Yeah, it's it, because it's mental and physical, isn't it? It really does. But running out in nature, that is absolutely essential for my self-care and mental yeah. well-being. Yeah. And self-kindness as well. Mm. We talked about you writing the little book, Be Kind. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, you you just see in the media, there is so much unkindness that mm. goes on, right? Mm-hmm. And we know that, hello, you is that is not what you about at all but it's quite shocking isn't it we we you know on certain websites with certain sidebars on social media um and there used to be magazines that were just so mean and vile Mm. to celebrities i mean what what are you is that changing are you hearing from celebrities about this how do they manage it what's kind of going on with that well i think it's definitely used to be a lot worse from on the sort of newspaper and magazine i think the leveson inquiry changed a lot Mm. actually in terms of that but social media as well i mean for celebrities the negativity on there sort of you know the posting the commentary on on their posts is really really tough mm-hmm. and actually seeing a lot of negativity play out on our social media channels at hello namely fans of the duchess of cambridge and the duchess of sussex pitting the two women against each other sort of racist sexist bullying comment i mean it it got quite out of control a couple of years ago and that was behind us launching our hello to kindness campaign and um kindness as i've spoken to you about trish as well we wear as a badge of honor at hello Mm -hmm. we really see it as our superpower Mm -hmm. that people can expect to come to our publication and be always treated with kindness and we expect the same from the users on our social platforms so initially we did start it because of the negativity we were seeing Mm -hmm. aimed at Mm -hmm. personalities online and then it sort of became a bigger thing and lots of people joined forces with us and helped you know spread spread this word it's women as well as you seem to be seem to get the brunt of it uh really, really isn't it? Is. I think much more I mean if you look at the sidebars it's it's really about women always which mm. feels incredibly unfair doesn't it and encouraging people to think twice you know that was sort of behind this campaign yeah. ki- kindness is a choice mm. we're not born empathetic like our children are not born with empathy it's completely a learned behavior and people need reminding of it often mm-hmm. it's like for any of us when we're at a crossroads or or we have a decision to make or something happens to us or somebody says something to us we in that moment can pause and think I have a choice now of how I'm going to react and our initial reaction might it's not always one of kindness (laughs) Um, but if you stop and think and you've chosen that kindness is going to be at the core of everything you do as we have at hello then we can make that decision to make the kind choice and you'll be amazed to see what comes back at you because the great thing about kindness is that you give it and it comes back to you in buckets well it's that um I love that phrase is it true before you comment or do 
anything or make a decision is it true is it necessary is it kind those yes. are the three mm-hmm. filters yeah. so um it is a theme of the podcast can you tell us a little bit about your new podcast yeah very excited to tell you about it first time I've spoken about it yes. um so it's called in a good place and I'll be having conversations with personalities that inspire me and that I hope will inspire our listeners as well about what puts them in a good place so a lot of the conversation that I tend to have with celebrities you know but perhaps not always on the record so it's a slightly deeper different angle for a typical hello interview and my first question will always be are you in a good place and I really love this question I'm really excited about Mm. where the conversation will lead us because it obviously plays into mental well-being but it's also about the physicality of a space it's about what's happening in that moment in your life so I'm really excited to sort of be quite you free with these conversations. Yeah, it yeah. sounds like there's going to be a lot of life lessons that you can take from yeah, that. Exactly. I really, I yeah, exactly. I want it to be really helpful. Yeah. It was a great way to go through my little black book and everybody that I've asked to be a part of it has said yes immediately. It was really oh, exciting. It sounds super exciting, but you probably have already learned some things, haven't you, from being in this world, you know, some bad things, some good things. What are the kind of life lessons really that so far you've taken away from all of these encounters that you have with so many Mm. interesting and different people I think treat people with kindness has to be Mm. number one Harry Styles but it is so true you yeah. remember the people that are unkind as well and it sticks with you yeah. and it's never cool mm-hmm. um so I think treat people with kindness always be kind even in the most hellish situation try to see it from somebody else's perspective mm-hmm. but kindness to yourself obviously the way you speak to yourself and use your internal voice all has to play mm-hmm. into that because I think it's very hard often to find the energy to be kind when your own batteries are sort of running low Mm -hmm. and always have an open mind Mm -hmm. I think as a journalist is a really key thing to say because often the people that you might expect a certain way completely surprise you and you have to be agile and you have to be yeah open to the possibilities Mm -hmm. that are going to be put in front of you shall we do some hello style quick fire Oh. questions for you really. <laughs> okay I like a bit of a quick <laughs> yes okay you've told us about one celebrity wedding um but what's another favorite celebrity wedding mm. got Martin McCutcheon's wedding in Lake oh. Homo actually oh. really stands out I became oh. such good pals with her during the course of figuring out the wedding because you almost become like a secondary wedding planner oh, when yes. hello is involved with the wedding mm-hmm. or, or we did at that stage anyway um and she had the most incredible beautiful wedding at Lake Como and it was just stunning and she and Jack just perfect together and it was just a real honor and a privilege actually to be a part of it we put um, her on a Cosmo cover actually when I was there and she was absolutely adorable she came into the office after to say thank you oh <laughs> she's really good fun as yeah. well really good what fun. was your best scoop then I think probably the Robbie wedding that, you Mm -hmm. know, it was completely unknown. And actually it got to the point when the wedding had all happened and we had the pictures, it was all in the magazine. I was like, this is just going to suddenly appear and people would be like, what? Wait, Robbie got married. And because that is so impossible to do in this Mm -hmm. day and age, you know, with social media, something nearly always will leak Mm -hmm. in some way. And actually a bit of leaking is actually quite good for a world exclusive because then some excitement starts to build. And we've had 
many big A-list weddings at Hello, like the George Clooney and Amal's wedding stands out to me as well. Uh, that was obviously incredible in Venice. I mean, you've had many of these, but what would you say is your most pinch me moment? <laughs> I mean, always being on an Oscars red carpet. I mean, I was actually at the Oscars this year and I was sat with um, David Furnish at Elton and David's Oscars viewing mm-hmm. party that they have every year in support mm-hmm. of the Elton John AIDS Foundation. And we were sat there together during the Chris Rock episode. Yes, and, yes. And, and I was sat on a chair and then Sharon Osbourne came over and I sort of squeezed up on the chair so that she could come and sit in because she wanted to join us at the time. And then she said, oh, and then t- I said, no, you take the chair. And she said, oh, sit on my knee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a bizarre moment where I am like Amber Green from my oh. character in The Stylist, basically, where I was sort of awkwardly sound-sharing. Watching the screen with David next to me being a, sort of too polite to think I should just go now because we, we were all talking. Oh. Um, so there are some very funny moments. Who has escaped you? We've all had these as magazine editors, Mm -hmm. you know, who's on the list? I will get that person on the cover at the award. Who's on the number one on that list at the minute? I mean, the Duchess of Cambridge would be my number one podcast Mm -hmm. guest, you know, Mm -hmm. to ask her, are you in a good place? And for her to be really open, I mean, (laughs) would be a dream. And Hollywood greats, I mean, you just can't beat. I was watching George Clooney and Mm -hmm. um, Julia Roberts at the Mm -hmm. premiere last night and seeing Julia and that's a million dollar smile and she's just Hollywood royalty I'd love to sit down with her yeah she's fabulous isn't she I mean she is she just has maintained throughout the whole time I'm guessing Rosie that you're not shy because you're going to have to you're sort of one of those people that has to put the microphone under people to step right in and ask the questions and that are are you not a shy person and how and what advice have you got for people who are shy Mm, well I don't really get starstruck I think remembering that everybody's just human at the end Mm -hmm. of the day you know yes somebody might be incredibly well known but they're still a human being at the end of the day so I think always being personable I don't really get starstruck I mean you must do your research as well certainly if you're Mm. starting off as a journalist then you know to just go into something with somebody and not really be fully prepared Mm. isn't a a good look and and the more research that you've done and the more background you have the more confident you will feel Mm. well having known you since a young 20 something (laughs) I can say you are the same person now as you were then you have the same qualities and the joy and the fun of life and total professional as well so thank you so much Rosie for coming on to Postcards from Midlife thank you so much for having me it's been a real (laughs) honour when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
Here we are at the useful bit of the show, the how to win at midlife section, uh, where we dish out advice that will hopefully help our listeners have a more harmonious and happy life. We are here to serve after all. So today, Trish and I are going to help your relationship by encouraging you to argue more. You heard that right. (laughs) To argue more. Apparently, there are certain rows that all couples need to have, according to a new book by Joanna Harrison. She's a therapist in a law firm and she used to be a family lawyer. So she does know her stuff and she sees people, couples all the time. Her new book, Five Arguments, All Couples Need to Have and Why the Washing Up Matters is out now. And I rang Joanna to ask specifically about couples in midlife. We had a great chat, even though my teenager texted me eight times oh. asked where her nail scissors were <laughs> while I was doing the interview which makes me think I am now going to write five arguments mums and daughters yes I think that sounds good mm. um right I'm, I'm interested in this because Neil and I've been at it for 36 years now what does Joanne have to say that might well help my the rats? surprising fact I found out from Joanna when I spoke to her is Couples in midlife have the best arguments. It's oh. the best time to have arguments. Okay. Um, because, not because they're, they're worse or, you know, you've, you've thrashed it out before or anything, because it's a very optimistic time when you start mm. to argue and because you're mature enough to work out what's going on under the arguments. So there's a whole book to be written on um, midlife arguments, but it's actually the best time to have arguments. So don't worry about them if you and Neil are mm. at it, as you say. Anyway, <laughs> book um she says there are kind of five types of arguments and they broadly come under you never listen to me (laughs) obviously Mm -hmm. your mother drives me crazy you never put the bins out you're always (laughs) looking at your phone and I'm unhappy with our sex life. So that's basically the five mm. arguments she talks about in the book that apply to all couples, all age. While those subject matters are quite specific, they're actually really about family, they're about our roles in the relationships, and they're mostly about feeling listened to mm. and respected. And that's what people need to get out of arguments. They don't need to win an argument. They need to feel listened to and respected. And we need to look underneath at what's causing the argument and how we also bring our past, kind of our own childhood into mm. arguments, which is really Really common now I struggle to get into an argument with my husband because he's very much on the he has to win it's a kind of beginning middle and end thing for him right an argument and often men are a little bit less able to talk about what's going on um, mm. underneath um, but she did tell me some very um, specific things about arguments do you want to tell me how are your arguments with well Neil? what's your okay, arguing so style I think there's uh, we've got two there's two that sort of seem to have uh, have occurred there's the kind of explosive in the moment ones, you know, where you just kind of lose it and you don't see it coming. And I have to say those are few and far between these days because I think they were more linked to being overwhelmed with small children, with the job, kind of the thing of expecting him to be able yeah. to read my mind. And then when he didn't, it's like, how could he not have known that? Well, I didn't tell him. But you just sort of explode, don't you? And you don't see yeah. it coming. And then the other ones I find are kind of the ones that build and are driven from resentment, like little resentment that kind of Mm. build up there's a kind of a pattern and you just sort of start getting crosser and crosser and crosser and what I do rather than explode I just become resentful and then I close down and become frosty he says oh you're just being really frosty and I do feel that I'm not kind of being open and and communicating so then we'll sort of end up having a row about that but then I find that that's quite difficult to come back from it takes longer because you've lost the connection on the way yeah 
the weeks leading into the run-up. Well, that's that the key, sense? isn't it? Yeah. That's the key. Connection is the word she uses most right. in the book, actually. Yeah. And in midlife, what you're looking to do often is reconnect because mm. you might have been on two parallel tracks. You've been so busy doing all the stuff and doing it together as almost as business partners yeah. with really no kind of HR looking after you at all <laughs> as well while you're doing that. And then you hit midlife and, and people begin to leave home. There's more time to look at it and you, you're not connected. So reconnecting mm. is really important. So um, just what it is in midlife, she said, is this whole you're dealing with quite a lot of loss Mm. and there's a lot of arguments that bubble up, which can be really easily solved by specifically talking about hopes, (laughs) dreams, fulfillment and what you thought might happen at this stage um, in life. And and often people realise that they're actually quite unhappy because particularly with the arguments, because they have more time to think about how they feel about things. And if you mm-hmm. feel unhappy, you suddenly realise you're unhappy with everything's around you. What you have to do is not do what you're doing there, Trish, yeah, yeah. is let it build up, is, yeah. is to and sit down. And excluding him, I'm excluding yeah, him from it, aren't to I? to sit down yeah. and very specifically talk things through. And she mm-hmm. says that in midlife, timing is absolutely mm-hmm. crucial. Um, so an argument might happen, but it might not be the best time to sort it out. It might be better to leave it a while, to do it when there's a more, more free time in the house, when it's mm-hmm. quieter, when someone is in, in a more relaxed mood. Never try and solve it there and then. She says, look look for a time, make a time to talk about what's going on under the argument and stick to that time. Almost put it in the diary, uh, she was saying. That kind of applies to all rounds, I think. But the, the five things that she talked about in midlife as being particularly important is that number one, would be communicating um you can get into patterns after a very long time together so you look out for those patterns and sometimes people have very strong feelings about things and when someone's having an explosive row that means their feelings are really strong about that particular subject so alarm bells should be going off in your partner it's not really about the washing up this is a really strong reaction what are those strong feelings about and you might think Why am I having such a strong reaction to this? Why am I so volatile around this? So that's the time to sit down and talk about specifics and the emotions and talk about different ideas. Um, Mm -hmm. Empty Nest brings this up. Often couples have never talked about how they're going to deal with that, how they're going to deal with that time and how they're going to feel about it. And I I said to my husband at the beginning of the week, I'm going to be mad this week because we're taking our number two to university. Mm -hmm. And she's, you know, we have a very close relationship. I'm going to miss her so much. You're going to have to put up with my loony all week and my sadness I will be sad about everything all yeah, week yeah so that's really but how did he think. respond to that Was he, he like, said okay, okay I, get it, I, I guess it. it I understand yeah, and actually good. there were a couple of flashpoints where I was very cross about I think the wooden spoons were in the wrong jaw oh, oh that's very serious yes, isn't so it ballistic <laughs> about how many times have I told you oh, do you deliberately put them in that jaw oh, to annoy me is it specific I mean, so that wasn't about that that's about my looming awesome. sadness yes um, and, and rupture and repair is much more important in midlife mm-hmm. well, actually at any time so how you get back from an argument sit down and say I'm sorry I got so angry about yeah. that this is what's really going on and family is incredibly important because there's so many demands from older relatives and yes. often people have not talked about that either so you can talk about the practical solutions but how are you going to feel when you yeah. have to put your parents in a home how are you going to deal with that I think that's the other thing that needs to be talked about and you need to make time for people to have those feelings and the other thing is the thing that I always say to people and teenagers as well sometimes I just want to tell you my feelings I don't want yeah. you to solve them sometimes yeah. I want to say I'm sad I'm depressed it's upsetting sometimes your partner just wants to tell you that and you want to just say oh I'm sorry you feel like that 
have a cup of let's have a cup of tea mm-hmm. together let's spend some time together not for me to say well what can I do about it how can I solve it I have to say it is quite rare um we, I mean we had the one the other day and I I did I just sort of decided to pick my moment this was, was one of these building ones resentful ones and I picked a moment where it was all calm and nice and we were just together we we're having breakfast and and I thought right I'm going to consciously choose here not to allow the same old patterns to take place in this. Very good. I'm yes. going to say what's wrong. I'm going to say how I feel. I'm going to say what's bothering me. And he did kind of revert into those patterns, his pattern quite quickly, but then he had to come out of it because I wasn't in my pattern and I was just being very yeah. logical and calm. And, and actually we got to the end of it and diffused it really quickly. There was still tension, but over the kind of days afterwards, I just sort of did lots of little, you know, you know, I'm getting this um, his goodwill. Dinner, goodwill. I'm here's some lovely dinner. I'd yeah. bring it to you with love. <laughs> I didn't say that, but something along those lines. Oh <laughs> um, yeah, rather slap it down or whatever. It was like, well, that's because I love you, and I, you know, so trying to do things with a bit of grace and a bit of thought. I think that's a bit nice. the, the point she made that you mm. know putting points in the goodwill bank is really yeah. really helpful not not yeah. ask, not not being grateful for things but just doing things with love and care yes but I asked her what was the most surprising thing that she found with couples in midlife okay. arguing yeah. and she said it was this idea and that people were going to just put up with things as they were yeah. and she was really surprised some women had put up with a way of being in mm. their partners that was really making them unha- unhappy for decades yeah. and then they'd suddenly realized it was really making them unhappy and actually they wanted to do something about it now so that's about communicating but she was surprised at how long we put up with that so it might yeah. be worth us all stepping back and thinking what am I putting up with that doesn't make me happy mm-hmm. that I can talk about that maybe my partner isn't aware of and as you say putting you know it's a really dangerous age she said <laughs> because people have time to think about yeah. what they are where yeah. they're going mortality is pressing down on us time yes. is running out so it's it's a flashpoint age where you could have lots of arguments and if you don't learn how to properly have them and they're not bad yeah. they're good arguments it's about it's about getting yes. your feelings yeah, out need, and acknowledging yeah, the feelings. and you need the, the relationship to progress don't you and I yes. think you know if you're in a relationship with a man certainly men of our gen x generation they might always be that great about talking about their feelings no. and it's like I you know trying to find ways to kind of get to access their feelings it's just it's just not very natural about it and one of the things we do <laughs> is we tell each other about our dreams if we have a weird dream we have a really good chat about it um and kind of almost decode what that means and you know so really? for example he had one he said oh god I had one last night about Esme going to university next week and and I felt really really anxious about it so we were able to kind of talk about that his anxiety and it was like oh so I, yeah. I quite like that little approach of mine and they feel like fixed often they're what they gen x men are diy dads they think that they'll fix it and then they won't have to think about it because it's really distracting they don't have to feel don't want to feel it don't want to feel it yeah the fixing distracts me from the feeling and it's nice to get it out now the big one obviously for everybody all couples any stage is sex sex definitely yes yeah Um, we have talked about this before we've got we've done some really great shows on sex if people want to Mm -hmm. dip into the archive but these are you know this is the point the only time the only argument she said that might need uh, professional help that might be useful if you've got the finances to pay for some um, professional help because sex 
comes up in all the other arguments sometimes so you know you haven't done the washing up nobody's going to have sex with people who don't respect them or love them or care for them or if you don't feel respected loved and careful so it's really important to talk about it and creating a kind of as you say goodwill creates a loving feeling which um yeah means that you may have more sex but if you haven't had sex a while and it's coming up as an argument then either get proper help to talk about it so you can both say what you need to say because it's a hard thing to talk about or make an appointment with each other to talk Mm -hmm. about it i would definitely get the book uh, take a deep dive five arguments all couples need to have and why the washing up matters by joanna harrison we will give one away shall we yes let's do that on the facebook group so we'll pop up a little competition for she is a listener she's she's been a listener a long time yes so joanna um, thank you very much Oh, we are here at Nostalgia mm. Noodle, mm. my favourite bit of the show. So I've taken my youngest, the youngest of my four, Mabel, 11, to a new school. She's gone back to school. Oh, big school. She's and gone it, to it, big school. Um, yes, it's bringing, bringing out all sorts of memories in me. She was talking about craft this week. Now, I do like a bit of craft, mm. actually, but I don't like cooking or sewing or any of that. She was saying how rubbish sewing would be at school, and I was agreeing with her. And then I got these terrible triggered flashbacks. Oh. <laughs> Of making a body warmer. And oh, and a needlework lesson. I know, oh. and I've been telling Mabel how to be pleasant at school and, you know, just say yes and oh. don't disagree with everybody all the time. Yes. <laughs> I can't, not, not hide her personality, but yes. I was just remembering the awfulness of my sewing lessons and how oh. I spent, when I made the body warmer at this guard <laughs> comprehensive, I spent most of those lessons stood behind a curtain. You know you had to have a, it, when you did sewing at school, there was a place you could oh, change and try on. Oh, curtain. Yeah. Yes, they try on the monstrosities you, you behind made. a curtain. I spent most of my time behind the curtain for talking and for (laughs) not behaving. So all I remember is standing behind that curtain with this dire body warmer thing, two bits of foam floral material sewn together. Did they make the teacher make you wear the body warmer behind the curtain? That is a punishment. That would have been a proper punishment. That would have been. They could have kept it to punish other people. Can I just say, I just didn't think we had body warmers in the eighties, but maybe we did. Maybe there's a different word for it. I don't know. It was two bits of material sewn together, and I just put your my arms through the. Oh, I see. Very strange. Is that more of a tabard? No, it's a body warmer. I don't think anyone cared what it was. And also, no. I just resented being uh, wasting my life making yes. it. I obviously caused is, is it so much have, trouble in the lesson. I can so vividly remember the classroom that we did needlework yeah. in. I can remember queuing up outside the corridor in, you know, to go into it. I, I remember it. sitting down, hating it, hating it, hating it. And my, I suppose, my body warmer equivalent, obviously, I was never naughty. I was never made to stand behind a yeah. <laughs> I had to stand outside maths a lot as well. Yeah, no, never. I never had that happen to me. But one of the things I had to make was a nightdress. And the pattern they gave us, it was basically the most enormous sack. It was a sack with some elastic sort of neckline thing. You put some elastic through it and scrunched it up. And then it was just this massive sack. And my mum had got me the material. And and, and being very practical, she just thought, well, this is never going to get worn. She just bought some cheap, dreadful, itchy, horrible material. And I made this terrible thing. And I I thought, I'm going to wear this because I've made this. And I just nearly strangled myself in bed. It all got wrapped <laughs> up and tangled around. Finding you dead in the bed the next I morning. Think so. so I think these days there would be a health and safety in school warning about making wow. items like that, wouldn't there? They wouldn't be allowed. Health and safety. And how have we gone on to work in fashion? Oh, God knows. It's marvel, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, that brings us to the end of Postcards from Midlife. New episodes are available to listen to every Sunday on your podcast provider. And we would love it if you can make sure that you subscribe to the episodes so that they're downloaded straight into your inbox and then they count on our listener numbers. And a rate and review of season seven, I don't think we've had any yet, would be marvellous oh, if yes, someone please. could leave us a message, please. Yes. And of course, please spread the word like our lovely teacher on our Facebook group that we talked about mm. earlier. Please spread the word because, yes, this is fun, but it's also about helping other women. So if you're not a member of the group yet, please do come on over and join in the chat. And you can use our group to post any feedback on the topics we discuss as well as suggestions for other things you'd like to hear about. You can also send us messages and please, with postcards live in the subject box, send us messages and ideas about the show on our email, which is hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com. Or you can even message me on Instagram. Or you can message Trish on Facebook. Yes. Goodbye. Bye.